Hey friend, are you struggling to find consistent paid speaking gigs? Do you want to know the exact six steps that you can take to find and book more paid speaking opportunities in 2024? Well, we want to make that easy for you. We've created a new free resource with the help of Dan Irvin, one of our highly successful speakers on our team. Dan has booked over $100,000 in paid speaking gigs in the last few years, and his six-step process is going to help you maximize your chances of getting booked and paid to speak in any industry. You're going to learn how to get started prospecting, master discovery calls, and proposal emails and so much more. All you got to do is go to thespeakerlab.com slash steps and we're going to send you this 18-page guide straight to your inbox. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash steps and you're going to get that free guide. Hey, thanks for listening. You're awesome. Hey, what's up, friends? Grant Baldwin here. So good to have you here with us today for another awesome episode of the Speaker Lab podcast. My guest today is Ryan Avery, who got his start in speaking in a way that few people can say, in fact, less than 100, actually. Uh, it's kind of a crazy story. You're really going to love hearing him tell this. Uh, Ryan focuses on teaching strategic communication to all kinds of organizations. And in this conversation, we cover that crazy backstory he has. We talk also specifically about the pros and cons of Toastmasters, his involvement there. And he walks us through his journey from being a successful successful competitive speaker to running a successful speaking business. Two very different things. Had a lot of fun with this one. Ryan is such a great communicator. So let's get right into it. Here's my conversation with a world champion of public speaking. Mr. Ryan Avery. Enjoy. It's our friends, Grant Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast. Good to have you here with us today. We are joined today by Ryan Avery, who is a very successful speaker and uh, has a unique backstory of how he got into speaking and then also some unique elements of how he presents today. So excited to uh, dig into that. So Ryan, thanks for uh, joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Grant. Appreciate it. Uh, all right, so first of all, let's get some context on on you, your story itself. Before we go back in time, let's talk about where we are today. Who do you speak to? What's the problem that you solve? Kind of give us a snapshot of what the speaking business looks like for you. Yes, in order to know where I am, it's important to know how I got started. So about 10 years ago, I found this little difference that made all the difference in my life. And the thing that I have dedicated my entire life to is understanding that difference. And it's this. It's what it means to be A versus what it means to be the at what you do. Nobody wants a speaker. They want to hire the speaker. Nobody wants a product when they can buy the product. And nobody's going to invest in a solution when the solution is out there. So I show and find and figure out ways of the difference of what it means to be A versus the. So I share with leaders and their teams how they can be the at what they do. Interesting. Uh, so you talk about leaders and their teams. Is there any specific industry that you're primarily focused on or even departments within industries uh, or companies that you're speaking to? Uh, so what, what is that? What, who are you typically speaking to? Yeah, the, the lucky thing about what I do, which I didn't know at the beginning, I fell into it. Uh, most of my content is based in strategic communication. Mm -hmm. And so every industry, every department can improve the way that they communicate. So yeah. You know, I've been lucky to speak in like 33 countries in every industry from real estate to industries that are completely different that I never even have heard of, associations that I never even heard of mm -hmm. um, before, because they're all looking at ways of how they can strategically communicate and everybody can benefit from being the. So I don't 
I don't tailor myself to one specific industry. Gotcha. So one of the the challenges for uh, a lot of speakers is, especially early on in early stages when you're you're getting started, when you have a message that is relevant and applicable to a wide swath of people, it's easy to want to to default to that, to spread the net as far and wide as possible, to not pigeonhole yourself. But there's also kind of like you, even like what you're talking about sounds like with the core of your message is being the thing rather than a thing. So how do you kind of balance of you you have a message that's for businesses of all sizes and all different industries, not watering yourself down of being like, yeah, I could speak to this and this and this and this and this. And, it, it, and you don't want to get in that spot where it's for everybody and nobody at the same time. So how does that balance out in your own speaking business? For me, I focused in on a certain few industries at the beginning because yeah. I was familiar with it. I started from a nonprofit background. So that's where I started was nonprofit. And then what happened is referrals started coming in. Right? Yeah. And so a new industry came in. So what I would do is start with where you know. Yeah. Right? If, if you're in sports, start in the sports world. If you're in nonprofit, start in the nonprofit world. If it is broad like mine, um, the one thing that I quickly learned too is people don't hire you to speak. They hire you for your strategies. Nobody cares about me as a speaker. They care about my strategies that I offer. And so if you are going to offer broad strategies, make sure that they are specific enough where everyone can benefit from them. That's what I recommend. Gotcha. Well, I think that that's, that's so true and so important for people to note that it's, it's easy to look at speakers who have been at it for a while. Like it sounds like you've, you've been doing this for a decade plus that uh, your, your industries have evolved and shifted over time to where now you speak to a bunch, but that wasn't the case early on. And so you can't compare where, you know, uh, where you are today to where someone else is, you know, 10, 20 years down the road ahead of you. Cause you're talking about two totally different things there. Totally. And I look at some speakers who have been in it 20 years. I'm like, oh gosh, how, can, how are they doing that? And I'm like, right. oh yeah, that's right. They've been doing it for 25 years. I get it. Okay. I get it. Yeah. All right. So let's go back in time here. How, how did you first get into speaking? So my best friend, he takes me out to lunch and he, he recently quit his job to pursue his dream to be a filmmaker. And so he takes his life savings. He puts it all into this film and it's not going good. He loses all of his money. He, it's not going anywhere. And I take him out to lunch. I'm like, what's going on? He's like, do not follow your dreams. They lied to you. And I was like, oh my God, this is so depressing. Like, what are you talking about? It's my best bud. And he's like, Ryan, what's the hardest thing you've ever had to do? And my best friend is looking at me and I'm like, I don't know. And I feel really crappy because at that time in my life, I had never done something so hard that I felt confident to say that. I had, I had done some things, but nothing to the extreme. And it was the year 2012. So it was the year of the Olympics. And I'm a big like Gabby Douglas and Michael Phelps fan. And anytime I like get depressed, I always like lose myself in a YouTube vortex. So I'm like, sure. learn how to bake a cake. And I just like stupidly watch YouTube videos. And I come across this one where this person's going for what's called the World Championship of Public Speaking. Uh-huh. And I remember people saying public speaking was the hardest thing where people were more afraid of public speaking than anything. And so I was like, fine, I'll do that. I will, I will win that contest. And so I enter the contest, fast forward eight months and I win. And then the next day I wake up to 269 emails asking me to speak. And I was like, this is a job. I didn't know this was a job. I didn't know people did this. And so the first few years were pretty brutal and rough uh, because I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't want to be a speaker. That wasn't my ambition in life. Yeah. I wasn't trying to do this. I fell into it. And then I learned that there was major benefit behind it and being able to add value and shape worlds is awesome. It's fantastic. So that's how I fell into it. 
that's not a normal story of how people got into to speaking. I've talked to a lot of speakers and, and, and it's generally, you know, someone, some speaker changed their life and they wanted to do that or whatever. So the idea of sitting at a lunch with a, with a buddy and you'd be like, yeah, there's a contest out there. I can win that. And eight months later, I, you know, not years later, but eight months later, pulling it off. Uh, so you decide to do this. Is this just kind of like a, I don't know, it's just kind of a bucket list thing. Let's check the box here. It seems like a cool experience or, uh, was there any point along the journey where you're just like, or are you actually even to back up? Are you thinking like, man, I, I really am fascinated by public speaking. This has always been something that's kind of intriguing. So this kind of checks that box for me or why speaking? Cause there's, there's, as far as what the hardest thing is you could do, there's, there's a lot of things that could fall under that category. Yeah. It was the right time in the right place. It was that video. It was remembering it was hard. And then it was that year 2012 of like, I remember telling myself like the Olympics before, like, I'm never going to be able to be like those people. Like I'm never, I'm never going to be able to swim a hundred freestyle in, you know, 36 seconds or whatever it is. Right. And then for some weird reason, I saw that and I was like, I want to be the best at something. I want to be the, at something that I did. That's where the, the started. I didn't know it at that time, but I realized, okay, this is something I want to try and do. And if I put my energy into it and try it, and then, you know, obviously there's so many, backstories to this story. Um, yeah. So it wasn't like, I want to be a professional speaker one day. It was, I wanted to be the best at something. And that something happened to be in that moment, public speaking. And what it realized, what it showed me is my, my purpose isn't to speak. My purpose is to teach. Mm-hmm. That is what I love to do. And I was lucky enough to find teaching through public speaking. So the world championship of public speaking, for those who aren't familiar with it, give us some context. What is this? How do you enter? Uh, how did, and how do you go from an eight months, uh, of just like, yeah, this seems like a cool idea to actually participating and, and ultimately winning it. Yeah. So it's through an organization called Toastmasters. Uh, they're a global public speaking organization and leadership organization. Um, so every year, 30,000 people from 116 countries compete. There are six rounds of competition. So it goes from 30,000 to 15,000 and it goes all the way down to the world champion. Um, You have had to have given six speeches within your Toastmasters club and that's where it starts, right? So it goes club then division district all the way up to the world championship. Um, I would say there were several distinctions in my opinion of why I was able to win. Um, It was definitely my coach, my wife who coached me. It was definitely uh, Randy Harvey who gave me the insight of what speaking should be all about. It was my club and my district who supported me along the way. And then it was all these lessons. I mean, I, I told my company that I wanted to do this. I used to work at Special Olympics. And I would, I remember I would wake up at 5 a.m. I would, I would practice for like two hours. I'd hang out with my wife. I'd go to work because I was working like a 60 hour job mm-hmm. on top of this. And then my company let me borrow the, the company warehouse. And like I, I mapped out a stage with like duct tape and they let me use that. And I would use it to like midnight to like practice staging and figuring out what staging is like. And we would, we would stay in there for hours and hours and hours. Um, yes, yeah, so that's what I did. Yeah. So what did that, I'm curious even what the, what the practicing and the rehearsal part look like. If you're spending a couple hours in the morning, a couple hours in the evening, I think that the, 
obviously the huge misconception with, with some speakers is that, well, I just, you know, you just get up and you, you, you wing it and you scribble down a couple of thoughts on a napkin and then you say some stuff and it all works out. And the reality is, is there's so much more that goes in behind the scenes, kind of what you're talking about there of quote unquote, how the sausage is made. So what did that process look like for you of going, I've got this talk, I have some idea what the content is, but it's more than again, just kind of like memorizing and then regurgitating a script. What yeah. did it look like for you? And when you were going through those, those hours and hours of practicing? So the competition is like, it's like public speaking for gymnasts, right? Like you're judged on a certain criteria from body language to vocal variety. It's a score-based judgment. So it's going to be subjective and objective. And so you're trying to reach these certain uh, goals like you would in gymnastics, right? Because uh, you're trying to get the highest score within that. And for me, it would be learning how to... Uh, to figure out how to say things differently, parentheticals, um, being able to understand how to insert humor, appropriate humor. I was 24 at the time. So in my mind, I was like, what story do I have to share? Like, what, what am I gonna tell the world? These, I'm going up against people who are 56 year old. The guy who won before me, it took him 34 years to win. Like it's, it's this competition where in my mind, I saw this, what, what do I have to say? And then I really realized everybody has something to say, even if you're eight, right? I've seen yeah. some amazing TED Talks from eight-year-olds. It's figuring out how to do that. So that's what I learned is figuring out how to tell your story in a way to A, win the contest and B, to get it across. And then one of the hardest things in my entire career was to unlearn all of that to be a corporate speaker because people will see my world championship speech and they'll go, oh, no, 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 no. We do not want that to be our keynote speaker. And, and that's a really important aspect of it. There's a very big difference between competitive speaking and corporate speaking. Those are two, or public speaking, those are two very, very different things. So having to unlearn that was incredibly difficult for me. I'm glad you said that because I wanted to dig into what were some of the pros and cons of your experience there. Because uh, mm -hmm. I've I've talked about this publicly on the on the podcast. Um, I think I, what I always say is Toastmasters. There are thousands and thousands of chapters. It's worth going to visit a local one near you. It gives you some at bats. It gives you some reps. It does feel very, very, very formulaic and robotic and um, uh, over the top and over rehearsed. And so I'm curious uh, again. What I do think again, there's some certainly some good elements to it. But what did you find were some of the pros and cons for someone who who's going, uh, who may be listening, going like, I don't know, should I attend Toastmasters? Is it, is it worth it? Is it, is it going to help me in any way? Uh, what would you say uh, was your experience? Pros for me were the people, um, hands down, without a doubt. These are people who didn't know me yet wanted to help me, right? And that, that's a pretty crazy community to be a part of, of meeting strangers. And the one thing you have in common is Toastmasters. And so, they'll wake up at 6 a.m. to drive two hours to record you. That's a pretty crazy thing, right? Yeah. So huge pro in, in being able to know nothing about speaking and, and jumping in and people willing to help you. Uh, that is, without a doubt, the major, major pro to it. Cons, um, I would say um, there's definitely things that they teach you. In my opinion, this is my opinion. I'm not a spokesperson for Toastmasters. Like I'm, totally. I'm me, Ryan saying this. Um, they'll teach you things that might not necessarily work in the real world. They work because it's on a, a sheet and you get judged. And the other con too is it's almost this like catch 22. People are so nice that 
they don't necessarily give you effective feedback. They're like, that was the best presentation. I can't wait to see your next one. And you're like, no, it wasn't. That was the worst speech I've ever given. Like, tell me something that I want, like I need to improve on. Yeah. And so finding the right club is really important for you. Um, I, I've seen people and what I recommend, if, if you are going to go into Toastmasters, go to three clubs before you join. Because you'll see like, oh, wow, all three of those clubs are completely different. And that's, that would have been my recommendation when I started is going to at least three clubs before I joined. If you're going to those three different clubs, what should you be looking for? What would like, what, what, is it pretty obvious or pretty natural for someone to be able to tell, oh, this one's vastly different or vastly better uh, in terms of helping me versus those other two? Or what, what are the criteria yeah, anything, there? You go into something first, understanding what do you want to get out of it? Yeah. Okay, so for me, I wanted to get ex better at speaking. Okay, well, I understand this club will help me get there. That club won't. That more is a social club. That club is more of interact. You know, it's what do you want to get out of it? If you want to be social, if you want to interact with other people, there, you know, it's what are you wanting to get out of that experience? And yeah. then too, what you'll learn, what I learned is, okay, now what can I contribute? What can I give now? And then is that where I want to be spending my time to get and to give? things. That's, that's, that's my experience. I, I have probably have some Toastmasters listening to me like, Ryan, I can't believe you're saying this. But, I, don't, I don't want you to like turn on them right now. I don't yeah, want to, yeah, they, yeah. They, they've, they've given you a lot. Highly, um, highly recommended. What I like to yeah. say to some people who are fully like, I'm interested in speaking, but I don't know where to do. I say Toastmasters will give you opportunities to speak. NSA will teach you how to get paid to speak. Yeah. That's it. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I still use Toastmaster clubs to this day to try out new content. Yeah. Hey friends, I got a question for you. Considering where you are in your speaking journey, what are your next steps to take your speaking career to the next level? If your answer is, I, I have no idea or I have too many ideas, I don't know where to start. Let me give you what I believe is the best next step that you can take. I want you to book a call with the Speaker Lab team today over at thespeakerlab.com slash coach. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash coach to see if our personalized coaching program is right for you. We have helped literally thousands of speakers from all over the world find and book more speaking gigs, and we'd love to see if we could help you as well. Our personalized coaching program features done for you websites, done for you demo videos, weekly coaching calls, access to all of our educational content. We find speaking leads specifically for you and so much more. You've got the talent. You've got the drive. Let us give you the plan to execute. All you got to do is book your call today by going to thespeakerlab.com slash coach. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash coach. One of the things, one of the things you, you talked about earlier, especially when you are, you know, there's, there's the stage craft as far as how you're moving around and your gestures and, and that sort of thing. But you also talked about just the content itself, especially being in, in your mid twenties, thinking, what do I have to share? What do I bring to the table? Uh, you know, you, you talked about earlier that part of what you're being hired for today is for your strategies. And especially when you're early on, you're going like, I don't, I don't know what I have, what strategies I have or what stories to have, or like, how is any of this interesting or compelling or helpful in any way to mm -hmm. any audience that I could ever be speaking to? So how did you start to make some of those mental shifts to get over some of that imposter syndrome early on? getting over my ego. <laughs> that's a very big one. And even to this day, that's something, you know, one of my favorite books is Ego is the Enemy by Ryan Holiday. It's mm -hmm. a phenomenal book. The other one too, that I had to get over, I thought I had to justify my age. And so there was this component to what I used to do to feel like, 
here's why I should speak to you. And I would like justify it. And what I realized is a very big distinction. My, our job as speakers is not to look good. It's to help others get good. And when I made that switch of looking at my content of, okay, how am I going to help people get good? What I realized when I look at my videos, when I look at things and when I'm practicing like any sports, right? Like I, I record myself, I watch those speeches. I look at where people are nodding their head or when they're writing down, like a, a coach would watch a sports, you know, play or I'm not a sports guy, but uh, where they would watch a videographer of them watching the game. And what I realized is there's this, there's this opportunity for when your mind switch, switches to go, oh, all right, here's how to get good. And I jump right into it like a comedian. A comedian doesn't come out and says, hi, you know, I've been doing comedy for 13 years. This is what, no, they're like, boom, first joke. And you're like, ha, 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 in the first 15 seconds. That's what speakers should do. Right. Because they're there, those people are there to get good. They're not, you're not there to look good. Right. When you made the transition from Toastmaster speaker to, uh, and, and like you said, you, you have this, this, this recognition, this award of being the world champion of public speaking, which is incredibly impressive and legit, but then you're going, okay, now I, I have all these invites and I want to start to transition to corporate speaking. What were some of the things that you felt like you had to unlearn to make yourself relevant in a, in a corporate audience? Understanding the business side of it. This is a business. This isn't something, you know, some people hear how much we make and they're like, I want to do that. And you're like, well, great. That's awesome. It's a business, you know, yeah. like, um, and I mean, one of the things that happened for me in my story is I was working full time. I loved what I did. I loved working at Special Olympics. It was my dream. I had recent at the time I was applying for a national position with them. I like I loved it. And then I saw that there was this opportunity to help more people. And I distinctly remember I was asking a board member for money because that was part of my, what I did is ask for money for Special Olympics. And I distinctly remember saying, I no longer want to be the person asking for money. I want to be the person they're asking for money. And I remember that. And I went home, I said, babe, I really feel like I can do this professional speaking thing, but I'm working 60 hours. I don't know if I can work 60 hours and then and then do this public speaking thing, I gotta be all in. And my wife was unemployed at the time. And I was like, can I quit my job and do this? And she was like, let's do it. And so a couple of weeks later, we quit my job. We sold everything that we had. And then we moved back in with my parents back into Texas, which is a really fun feeling to move your wife back in with your uh, parents. And they gave us this little corner of their house. And about six months later, we got a full calendar because that's what we spent our time on mm -hmm. and so here's there's gonna be there's gonna be multiple types of people who tell you things and there's no wrong way but the wrong way is not choosing right and so there's gonna be people who say like do it on the side and and that's a great profession too i know a lot of speakers who have full-time jobs who speak four or five times a year that's great yeah. There's some of us who we speak 75 times a year like me, and that's great too. But deciding what type of speaker you want to be, how you want to do it, and then jump in, right? Like go for it. Mm -hmm. uh, for me, that's, that's my style. I'm not going to learn how to swim if I'm just like, hey, I'm going to put my foot in. No, no. Like I learned how to swim by getting pushed in the water and be like, ah, right. right? That's, that's how I work. That's how I operate. So for me, I had to learn and be okay with jumping in, with continuing that cycle to letting go things that were comfortable and to continue to, to push myself and to have this partner 
alongside me who is willing to say, yeah, let's leave good health insurance to move back in with your parents to see if this thing will pan out. Uh, man, that's so cool. And that raises so many questions for me. So one I'm curious about is uh, because this whole journey started with just, um, uh, I don't know that I'd call it a dare necessarily from a friend, but just kind of this conversation. And it sounds like you do some digging and like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to pursue this contest. I'm going to be the world champion of public speaking. And somewhere along the line, something shifts to say, uh, this, there are business opportunities here. This is something, does that not come until the next day when you have all those email invites? Uh, because just because you, you want a, a contest doesn't necessarily mean that you want to do this full time. You're like, I, like you said, I have a great job. Life is good. There's no reason necessarily. This wasn't like in a pursuit of changing careers. So at what point are you going like, this is, this is more enjoyable than I anticipated, or I see an opportunity here, or how do you go from a uh, contest winner to this is a business and I'm, I'm going to go all in on it? I would say it's a combination of things for me. Um, you know, those emails were, hey, will you come to the Bahamas? We'll pay for your travel. And I was like, what? Yes. You know, like a free trip to the Bahamas and then realizing like other speakers were there and then they got paid. And I was like, oh, how much did you get paid? And I, you know, it's asking stupid questions because I'm very open and sure, I'm very, totally. yeah. And they would tell me, and I would be like, no, I think you misinterpreted me. I meant like for this speech, like how much US dollars. <laughs> yeah. I was like, sorry. I, and then I was like, wait, what? Like, and that was a common thing. And then I heard about NSA and then I started right. looking into hanging out with other speakers. And I was like, y'all do this full time. Like, this is what you do for your living. And then I had a few people who would be open with me and honest and sit down and say, here's how my business runs. And here's what it looks like. Some really, I mean, amazing people. I hired Connie Podesta, an amazing coach to help me understand like what my business should look like. She tore it apart, you know? And so I invested into it like a business and I looked at it like a business. And then too, um, I remember someone saying like, you get paid for free, but you get paid or uh, you'll speak for free, but you get paid to travel. Yeah, like yeah. you get paid to get on the plane. And I remember being like, that is how I feel about speaking. I could do this for days. I could speak and help and come up with strategies. I would, I love this. This is like what I love. And then I started getting better at it because I learned it. Right. Um, and that's, that's, that's how it worked for me. Yes. Yeah. Do you, did you find at some point, even whenever you were, because you're, you're kind of having the mental conversation with yourself before talking to your wife of like, hey, I want to pursue this. Uh, I don't know entirely what it looks like. Um, it may require us to sell everything, move in with the parents. Uh, are you thinking like, this is crazy. Like, who who am I to do this? This seems ridiculous. This seems ludicrous. Am I making a massive mistake? Am, am I going to uh, regret this? Like, what, what kind of thoughts and doubts are running through your mind? I still think that Grant, I got, this is, and I want to say this solely because it, it, it is for me to, to think this, like I got this week, I made more money in this week than I would have made my entire year at special Olympics speaking. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's crazy, right? That I still look at these checks and cause I keep them all. Cause I, I'm like, I, I can't believe people pay me to come and do this, but real, I learned they don't pay me to come and do that. They pay for my strategies. So the more strategies I can learn, the better that I can get, the more experiences that I can do. I'm constantly, constantly in this. Uh, I remember, I remember the very first time I can tell you where I was. I can tell you uh, my wife was right next to me. I can tell you the, the client. 
And I remember being like, I'm, I'm just going to say $5,000. I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to do it. I'm going to do it. And she's like, don't do it. I was like, no, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And I, and you know, the normal question, how much is your fee? And I go $5,000. And literally, literally her response was, oh, that's it. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, I was like, what are you talking about? Granted, I have pitched $5,000 many times where people go, who are you to say $5,000, sure, right? Sure. I've done that many a times too, where people go, no, we're not hiring you for five. But it was this really good eye-opener to be like, holy crap, this is like a, this is an industry. This is a multi-billion dollar industry. And if you learn the business side of things on top of the, the, the stage skills and knowing that, and, you know, NSA has been a huge one for me. Um, knowing the enterprise and knowing the ethics and knowing all of these things of speaking, NSA has been huge for me. Yeah. Uh, so I'm also curious whenever you were, uh, I'm, I'm bouncing around a little bit, but this is such a, a unique and fascinating story. So as you are uh, building up your, towards the, the, uh, the, the world championship of public speaking, part of being a speaker is the business side and part of it's being the art. Uh, meaning that like, if you are great at running the business, but you suck as a speaker, your business is probably going to fizzle out. And if you're great as a speaker, but you suck at running the business, like it'll get you going. But again, it's probably going to fizzle out. So uh, you getting to the point where you are world champion of, of public speaking, again, like you said, there's certain parts of it that are going to translate, certain parts of it that may not. But ultimately, you have to be a really, 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 really good speaker. Do you feel like in your experience and in that journey that becoming a great speaker is, is nature or is it nurture? Is it something that, uh, that you're just born with? Because you see some speakers that are like, they're just charismatic. They have something that I do not have. And then there's other speakers that just like, no, that can be learned. I can learn that. I can get to that level. What do you feel like is, the, uh, is what is, is realistic and achievable for most speakers? Nurture, 100%. I'm, if you would ask anyone, <laughs> you know, could Ryan speak like he does now and from high school or even from college, they'd be like, that doofus? No, you know, like, no, we, don't, we barely wanted to hang out with them. You know, like, no, it's definitely nurture. It's, it's understanding your purpose. It's understanding what value you can add. It's understanding the rules of speaking and the art of speaking. It's too, there's science and art to it. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, this is, there's three types of people we have to, have to make sure that we we add value to the person who hires us the person who pays us and the person who listens to us which oftentimes are three very different outcomes they want mm -hmm. right and so you have to understand this but that's all stuff you can understand if you're willing to yeah that's a big one right it it is i tell people all the time this is like the highest risk highest reward job you can have right yeah. because you mess up once <laughs> you're no I, the reason i'm where i am today is because our my business is based off a referral. Nobody cares I'm a world champion. Nobody cares I've won Emmys or best-selling. Nobody cares about that. They care, can you perform on my stage, period. Yeah. Can you make my stage better than last year's stage? Can you make sure that you're adding value to my clients? And so if I mess up, if I do one thing where people go, Ugh, you think they're gonna refer me? No, but if every time I perform and every time I show up and I don't say like, oh, well, last speech was great, so this speech is gonna be good. Well, then I'm going to continue to be able to adapt and perform and nurture my skills in order to do that. Yeah, what nurture is, for me. What does that process look like where, because uh, you, you could go tell a story right now that you just, I, I, you've told a hundred times, you know, it kills, you know, it works. 
and there's a balance of like this works, but uh, at the same time, like I can't just rest on that. And it is, you know, there, there's similarities and differences between being a comedian because if a comedian, you know, they they work and work and work on their on the on a bit and on a set, and then it comes out on Netflix, and it feels like ah, I can't necessarily do that content again. And whereas with you and just speakers in general, is generally it's going to be a new audience. You could do the same content for years and maybe never repeat an audience. And so. Mm-hmm. How do you find the balance of continually pushing yourself and continually, like you said, coming up with new strategies and coming up with new experiences that you can share and coming up with new angles and new stories uh, and just continually pushing yourself versus like, hey, this talk that I have today is really, really, really good. And if I just kept delivering the same talk for the next couple of years, I could probably be really successful as a speaker. But eventually that's going to fizzle out. So how do you continue to, to push yourself and challenge yourself? I Well, first off, one of the things that's really important about this industry is you ask five people and they're all going to tell you the different things of here's how to get into it. Here's what to do. Here's how to run your business. And so it's really hard for newcomers or people who are starting on the business because they get all this conflicting information. So they never do anything because they're like, ah, what do I do with it? Right. Yeah. If you have a speech that's amazing and it's great and your business model is, you know, if you're doing 50 companies a year, and you want to do that for the next 10 years, I mean, that's 500 companies, right? And that's not even on the Fortune 5000 list. So maybe that is your business model. Maybe you are wanting to tell the same story over and over and over again. We hear that for with a lot of um, speakers who have that story, who did something epic, and they share it and what they learned along the way. And they're great. They have one keynote, it's epic. And their business model is every year the same keynote. I don't like that because I'm not challenged by that. I want to share something new and different. I want my client to be able to say, I want to hire you next year and be like, you got it. I got new content. So what I'm constantly doing is figuring out weird things to do to create stories, right? Like I am a paraglider. I get my pilot's license. I break world records. I do things that allow me to get content to allow me to stay fresh. So then I can learn from that and then share the most recent content that I experienced in that moment. Cause that's what challenges me. That's what I like. So I, I like, it wouldn't, it wouldn't fulfill me if in a year I was still like, I'm the world champion of public speaking. Like what? That was eight, that was nine years ago. I should have done something else by then for me. Right. Yeah. But there are other people who that works for them. That's great. Yeah. And that that's fine, but know what it is for you and what challenges you. I like to do here. Here's what it is too. It goes back to hypocrisy for me. I can't go out and teach you to be the if I'm not the, <laughs> right? If I'm not working to be the, if people go, well, you know, what's the last thing you've done? Well, five years ago, but shut up. No, not five years ago. What are you talking about, right? I got to say, here's what I'm doing. Here's what I've done. Here's what I'm going to do. There's this right. continuous calendar of events that I have that I want to prove to them that some, some weird kid some guy who has no skills can take what I've learned from other people and use them to break world records, to write books, to do these things. That's all that I did is I'm doing it to show proof that my content works. Uh, Man, there's so many more questions I have for you. I want to be respectful of your time here. We may have to have you for a a part two. Before we wrap up here, uh, 
for speakers who are listening right now, who are, let's say on the early stages of that, who are going like, okay, this idea of an eight months going from an unknown to this world champion, getting a, a ton of inquiries overnight and all of a sudden the speaking business just blowing up to the point where it is again, even fast forward 10 years to today, that just seems overwhelming. That seems daunting. That seems unachievable. Uh, mm -hmm. It seems like this, you know, flash in the pan, this, this lightning in a bottle type of scenario. So yeah. what do you say to those speakers who are in the early stages who are like, uh, they're giving the Toastmasters talks to 10 people and they're, they're trying to get the momentum and trying to get going. First off, that's my story. You will, all, you will, you will lose yourself if you constantly compare yourself, mm -hmm. period. There's a million ways of doing this. And it's really hard because even today, like I'll look at some speakers and I'll catch myself being like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm doing that. Like, wait, 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 wait. That's not what I want to be doing. Yeah. Okay, that's not. So one of the things that you can do is quickly identify what do you want out of this business? What do you want to do? And I remember uh, one of my coaches, I complained to them one year about how much money I made. And I said, I said, God, I only made this amount of money. And she said, Brian, stop right now. And I said, okay, what? And she said, if you made that money, that same amount of money, if I could guarantee you that amount of money, for the rest of your life every year, would you be happy? And I was like, yeah, like, that's crazy. That would be awesome. And she goes, then you're creating this comparison. You're creating this unnecessary pressure on yourself because you think that that's what you need to make. Identify how much you want to make. Identify how much you want to help. Identify how you want to do it. You decide and then go from there because uh, you're, there's a million billion ways of doing this. So yeah. figure out what works for you. What other thing that I did too is I tried a lot of things. I tried trainings, I tried keynotes, I tried coaching, I tried and I figured out like, oh, all right, my style is more X, Y, and Z. So try a bunch of different things, decide what you want and then act on it. Yeah. So well said that one of the great things about the speaking industry is like you said, there, there's not a one size fits all that there, you're going to find speakers who want to speak a hundred times a year and just do keynotes. And those that are just like, I hate the idea of doing keynotes. I want to do 10 uh, big trainings a year with, with five people. And I really want to go deep with them for 10 days or whatever it is and everything in between. And it all works. It yeah. all, you get to decide the rules. You're free to change the rules at any point, stage of life, what you want to do, what you don't want to do, what makes sense. You get to decide. So that's, again, one of the great things about the speaking industry. So, uh, Ryan, this has been so fun. Again, we may have to have you back for uh, for part two and okay. to uh, dig into uh, plenty of other things. If people want to find out more about you, what you're up to, we haven't even touched on all of your world records. So I'd encourage people to go uh, stalk you on some of that stuff. Uh, where can we find you online? So I don't have social media. So the one place is ryanavery.com. So go to ryanavery.com. I do my weekly notes. Uh, I do weekly videos uh, all on ryanavery.com. I'm assuming there's some intentionality around not doing social. You mind to share? Yeah. Um, first off, it's not good for my mental health. Uh, second off, and I really feel like we should all be taking care of our mental health. So um, I don't have social media for that reason. The other reason, and this is going to sound really wild, um, it's actually really good for my business. Um, some people go, how is that possible? Well, my business is based off of, I do 75 events a year. I don't need a million followers. I don't need 100,000 people to like a post. I need 75 clients. And I want my 75 clients every year to know that I know about them, that I care about them, that they can call me personally. Yes, of course I have assistance, but that doesn't mean you can't reach me. My clients know that they can get in touch with me and my clients know everything is in one place. Yeah. Um, so it, it works for my business, it's very good for my business. And then the other component too is I have a couple kiddos and I remember several years ago, 
I took my daughter out to the park and I'm not exaggerating. 100%, 100% of the parents were all on their phone. Yeah. And I, I refuse to do that. I refuse to not be in the moment with my children. I want my children to know that I see them slide. I see them fall. I see them do that. So there's multiple reasons why I'm not on social media. And those would be the three. Thanks for sharing. Ryan, thanks for being a, a leader on the stage and off the stage. We appreciate it. Thanks, Grant. All right, there you go. Hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Speaker Lab Podcast. And before you take off, don't forget if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a rating and review within iTunes. We read every single one of those. It helps, it helps other people to find the show. Listen, we, we don't charge anything for you to listen to these. We don't have any ads or anything. We do this because we want to serve and support speakers like you. So one small favor we ask of you is that you would leave us some type of a rating and review. Again, we really, really do appreciate that. If you're looking for more help, support as a speaker as you build and grow your business at whatever stage you're at, don't forget to check out thespeakerlab.com, thespeakerlab.com. We got a ton of free resources and tools over there. So again, check it out over at thespeakerlab.com. All right, my friends, that wraps up today's episode. We appreciate you hanging out with us. We'll catch you next time. You're awesome.